Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast to help you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. Absolutely. And today we are wrapping up our three-part series on the three angels' message. The three angels' messages. Woohoo! You know, I just realized they always say the three angels' message is like it's one message, but it's kind of three. But then... I guess yeah. in the same way, it is all just one message. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... I always say the three angels' messages because that sounds more grammatically correct. But maybe it is, like, it's one message. But it's not. It's, it isn't one message, though. It's like, it is three messages. I guess so. Well, I guess today ties both, all the three, into one. Right. The yeah. third angels' message. So, you guys are in for an absolute treat today. Yeah. Um, as we wrestle through the third one and there's a little bit of a prologue as well which we will also touch on it's not really a prologue i just couldn't think of a better word Um, you know you could say you know you could say josh that for these past three weeks we have been wrestling with angels oh that's cool that's cool you can call me israel (laughs) (laughs) call me israel (laughs) say my name Uh, it's like a call me ishmael but call me Israel. <laughs> I love it. But first, uh, before we get into that, we have to do the question of the week. You just sound so more dignified every time you say that. Thanks. Yep. Oh, and special announcement before question of the week. I should have done this. We've got a very special guest that uh, who we'll have on the podcast next week, who's probably the most elusive guest I've ever had to get on this show. Mm. So I'm saying it now. Because I'm just hoping that the interview still goes through and still happens so that it will happen. And then otherwise, I'll look really weird. So, guys, Keen, really great guest next week. But anyway, question of the week. Um, <laughs> sorry. What is it? Question give, me, of the give, week. Me the give me the question. Give me. Favorite Netflix series. Oh. Oh, come on, man. That's a, that's a hard one. <sighs> you can give I've... two if you really need to, but yeah. Okay. All right. I should. I don't want to give a stereotypical answer because this, there there is a stereotypical best Netflix series. Oh, maybe one of two. Well, you can give. You can give, okay. How about you give the stereotypical one that you like the best, and then you can give another one that you like. Okay, stereotypical one, of course, is Stranger Things. Like, yeah, that's goes that's without mine, saying. That's mine too. So. Okay, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go between Stranger Things or Black Mirror. That's one of the two that I was thinking of. Uh, I like. I like. I really do like Black Mirror. But I can't say it's my favorite because I I never feel very good after I watch it. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? I feel really sad or, you know, so I, I don't know. I can't yeah. really say it's my favorite. Okay. But no, there was another one I was going to say. Okay. That's maybe stereotypical. I'm not sure. Um, but I really mm. like the Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Is that stereotypical? I don't know. Well, that was like recently hot, but I mean, nobody's really talking about it anymore. So maybe it was just like the flavor of the month. Well, it only had one season. I think when the next season comes, it'll... Yeah. But I, yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was... right. Personally, I thought it was right up there with Stranger Things. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because Netflix is one of those platforms where there is some really high quality content and then there's also some really low quality content as well. <laughs> like, I, I would say the majority is pretty low quality yeah. content. As far as Netflix originals, it's very, it's very much quantity over quality at this stage. Agreed. Agreed. But, but it's good because you get the few gems like Black Mirror, you know, Umbrella Academy or Stranger Things. I will also say in that category, I would put The Good Place. I, I really enjoyed that show. Yes. Um, very good. Season four Except is for the happening right now. horrific Australian accents. Yeah. Yeah. The actor, I think, is Australian. And even so, I don't understand why. I just don't understand why. Is she? I cannot believe she's Australian. Oh, maybe she's not. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I, I think I looked it up once, but I don't remember now. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now. But anyway, okay. What? So what's your? Did you have a more niche one that you wanted to share? Yeah, yeah. Kim's Convenience. That was a great. That was a great show. Have never heard of that one. Oh, okay. So Kim's Convenience is it's kind of a sitcom based on a um a theater production. 
mm-hmm. um, and it centers around a, a Korean family, the Kim family, who run a convenience mm-hmm. store in Toronto, Canada. Um, and so you have the father, Mr. Kim, Mrs. Kim, the wife, and then they have two kids. And the one of them is a um, like a photography major in, I think it's like the University of Toronto or something like that. And the other one is sort of like a, a runaway sort of wild child who kind of got himself into trouble and has kind of been ostracized by the family. But it's a, it's a comedy and it's, it's, a whole, it's, it's such a funny, such a funny witty show um, because all the characters are just such characters, especially Mr. Kim. He is like, he's the star of the show. He's the, he's the patriarch of the family. And he's kind of like if Homer Simpson and... I don't even know who else could be. If like Homer Simpson was Korean, but also not like dumb in the way that Homer Simpson is like your stereotypical right. middle class, but like Homer Simpson as like the season one Homer Simpson, you know, blue collar, every man. And that's Mr. Kim, except he's Korean and he's very Korean. Like he's got a hatred of the Japanese, you know, because of whatever oh. and history and all that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> He's Interesting. Like, yeah, it's very funny show. It's very funny show. I think there's two seasons so far. I'll have to give it a watch. My more niche one, that I don't know how niche it is, but for, I think it's niche because nobody I talk to knows about it except for people who liked Avatar The Last Airbender a lot. But the the show The Dragon Prince, because it's made by the same people who made Ooh. Avatar The Last Airbender. I have not seen this. Yeah, it's really good. There's only one or two seasons at the moment, but it's very good. It's just... Mm. It's very it it it's very reminiscent of Avatar. Okay. The the last yeah it's it's the same like it it just feels I don't know like the way they set it up it, like all the episodes are like chapters and that sort of thing, so it's yeah and they've sort of go to got to go through these different kingdoms and that kind of thing so it's but it's basically oh, it, I don't know it's too <laughs> it's too hard to explain I think basically a prince and all this stuff happens and he ends up on this journey you know, the hero's journey kind of thing, yep. trying to discover magic powers and that kind of thing. And they've got this, the whole thing is that they've got this like dragon egg and the dragons are like extinct, but they have this one egg left. So they're trying to like look after it and take it to the place where it can be restored and become a dragon and that kind of thing. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. It's re- it's really good. And one of the, one, one thing that I really like, um, which I sent to Jess Laws because you know, she came on here and talked about um, connecting with the deaf community and sign language and that kind of thing. Um, one of the coolest heroes in the entire TV show is this woman who um, she she's either deaf or mute, but she has to mm. she she signs everything and has an interpreter in the show. Mm-hmm. But she's just amazing. Like ah, oh, like I said, yeah, she must be deaf because she lip, you see her like lip reading and stuff. But like, so she just signs the whole way through the show, and it ah, I don't know, it's it's epic. She's such a cool hero. So, so it's kind anyway. of like the like the the version of Toph or something like that. Oh, uh, the the that was the Earth. Yeah, Earth she's the blind Earthbender, Toph Beifong. Yeah, but she's this one is you know how like all the most of the heroes in the Last Airbender were like young young yes. heroes trying to become. This one is already an established hero. Ah, okay. that makes sense. And she sort of comes in every now and then and helps out. Okay. Yeah. Sounds amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. So, I don't know. Really good show. I really like it. Hmm. The Dragon okay. Prince. The Dragon Prince. Yes. Okay. So, um, that's our question of the week. Uh, yep. yep. <laughs> I'm never good at transitioning from the question of the week to the actual topic of the week. So, segue. <laughs> it's not a segue if you say segue. <laughs> <laughs> Sure it is. If I say segue, it has to be a segue. Um, so third, third angel. Yes. Next angel. Next angel. That's a good segue. Yeah. So, <laughs> is it still a good segue if you say it's a good segue? Yeah, All probably right. not. <laughs> so so far we have talked about how the first angel comes down. Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come, and worship him who has been who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So it's like a reframing back to the Creator God. Um, second angel comes in fallen fallen is Babylon the great she who made all nations drink of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality crazy so we just unpacked Babylon for pretty much the whole episode we didn't even really get to the made all nations we kind of did how like it's like a seductive force 
the yeah. male nations drink of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. It's quite, um, but it's, maybe we can touch on that a little bit more today. It's quite surprising how deep you can go with just that one idea of Babylon is fallen. Like that's just that opened like a whole Pandora's box of ideas, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yep. And we memed the two. So, so far we've got the three drones message and yep. um, Karen is fallen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll get any memes out of this one, but we might. We've maybe done we should, well so far. Maybe we should rewrite this as like a burn the haystack slash millennial translation. <laughs> maybe. Okay. Um, and I'll just, I'll read, I'll read the next angel. Go for it. Okay. So Revelation chapter 14, for those of you reading along or listening along um, from verse 9. And, and, oh, this is from the English Standard Version. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Mm. Do you want to just like read the next three verses? Because they kind of form sort of like a, I don't sure. know, an addendum at the end. Yep. So here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Mm. So (laughs) it's kind of funny because last week we had literally one verse to cover and we spent almost, I, I, I'm going to say almost an hour, if not a little bit over an hour talking about it. This week, we have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, but I mean, we did jump around a bit last time because we're talking about the Tower of Babel and talks about Babylon and, you know, so... But this one, I don't know if we'll be jumping around as much. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think maybe a good place to start would be with this idea of, like, verse 9 where it starts out if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand blank uh, dot 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 um so the third angel um he or she or it i'm not going to assume the the drone's gender (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, i mean i'm pretty sure angels are genderless yeah that seems to be the commonly accepted view right i'm not sure yeah well they're do they need to reproduce? You know what? This is going to get into a ridiculous discussion if we keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Some people are just like, screw the third angel's message. Talk about that. <laughs> like, yeah, we just want to know about angels and like bi- their biology and anatomy. And- <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So the third angel, like the, the each of the angel kind of is like addressing a different group of people. The, fir- the first angel is like calling out to people who haven't made a decision. The second angel is just kind of declaring everything to the world and then the third angel is addressing the people who well i I mean kind of addressing the first group of people in a way it's like a warning and also a judgment on the people who have chosen to not receive the mark of god or the seal of god which is something which um revelation talks about a fair bit the seven seals uh, and the seal of god so those people who have not received the seal of god Inevitably, they receive the seal of somebody else because I guess I guess this is one of the big themes of Revelation is the fact that when it comes to the end, um, there's going to be no more fence sitters. Like there's, there's going to be, mm. you're either on one side or on the other side. And if you are on one side, then automatically you are an enemy to the other side, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's really a call to action. It's a call to... You really have to choose, and the side that you choose to be on will bear consequences one way or another. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that seems to be the call of Revelation: is today you have to choose. Um, there is no more just sitting around. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can only sit around on on this sort of thing for so long. Yeah, you know, we're 
we are like great at not making decisions you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like our generation we struggle so much to decide between things because we just have so many options whereas this is really narrowing it down to like two it's like you worship god or you worship the beast yeah <laughs> in a yeah. way <laughs> yeah um and this is the sort of sort of situation where it probably would be possible for us to give our predictions or like, you know, what's the mark? You know, what's the mark of the beast? What's this? You know, and a lot of people have spent a lot of time talking about what the mark of the beast is. Um, in here, it says um, that the those people who worship the beast will receive the mark on their forehead or on their hand. So this is really hearkening back to Old Testament um, language, uh, listen and obey. The idea that listening to the voice of God also means obeying the voice of God. So um, when it comes to wisdom literature, especially in the Proverbs, the call is for wisdom. So wisdom says, listen, 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 and listen and obey are the same thing in the Old Testament. So the implication is that who are you listening to? Who are you listening to and who are you obeying? Um, And I mean, this is Adam and Eve, you know in the, the tree of um, knowledge of good and evil, um, Eve yeah. chooses to not listen to the wisdom of God. Rather, she chooses to listen to the wisdom of the snake. And she then obeys because listening and obeying, um, they're the same thing. So it's this idea of head and hand of um, internal thought mm-hmm. as well as external action, which is a an expression of that internal thought. Well, you know, I've, I've always found interesting with this and I don't, I'm not enough of a histor like historic historicist historicist historian historian. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Um, I'm not like yeah, but I like I've always thought. I wonder if there's much of a correlation between, um, you know, the mark of the beast, and then you know the Jewish um, phylacteries, tefillin, because they would bind those around their hand and their arm, and oh. then they would bind the other one to their head. Mm-hmm. But that's like, so those things were like prayers they were praying. So it was like praying and, um, yeah, all that, they're basically like verses from the Torah. So it was basically mm. like placing the word of God on their, they'd ha- I think they have one on their bicep, their hand and on their forehead. Mm. Mm. And so I've always thought to myself, like, I wonder if this is like the anti, the anti phylacteries. It's like placing the words against the Torah, but you're placing it on your, it gets placed on your hand. And your head. I don't know. That's always a correlation. I've wondered if there's like a thing there. But so maybe someone who's like a better scholar than me. <laughs> Good. Well, the word the word that you, you hear a lot of the time getting tossed around when it comes to this apocalyptic literature is the idea of the true thing and the counterfeit thing. Um, in, yeah. In the same way. I think, you know, I think maybe you could make that comparison of God has his modus operandi when it comes to okay listen to my voice obey what i say use a symbol to um remind yourself to do that so it would make sense that um the beast the enemy would have a an inverse um version of that it makes sense to me yeah i think it's i think it's pointless to to sit around wondering what the mark of the beast actually is but rather to understand how it relates to worship, and I think that's the more important. Um, the more well, important I, I wasn't saying it's like physical. Oh like no, anti-phylact. Yeah, no, I was no, just no, saying no. like the symbol of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, all right, sweet. Um, okay, would you carry on? So all right, forth. all right. So verse ten, um, drinking the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out strength um, some translations would say undiluted is that what yours says Josh uh, mine says full strength as well Are okay. we both English standard uh, no I'm NIV oh yeah yeah so yeah. I guess the idea here is fairly obvious um, I mean we still mix drinks today if you're <laughs> cordial I'm, cordial sure <laughs> <laughs> So this is like legit full full strength straight out of the straight out of the bottle syrup cordial, not watered down cordial that you'd actually drink. This have is you, like bam sugar. Have you ever drunk that? Have you ever drunk cordial syrup by accident? Uh, not by accident, but yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> were you just were you know. curious, or were you trying to be like a badass? Well, 
I think, what was it? Because we never had cordial at home. I don't know. My family have just never really been into cordial. Mm. Um, but then I remember going to like a summer camp or something and they had they had cordial. I'm like, man, this stuff just tastes like a watered down actual drink, you know? <laughs> and then I saw the actual syrup. I'm like, well, I'm sure that tastes better. So I just poured that. And I was like, oh, no, it tastes horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like burnt my throat and my lungs. Like I had like a full cup, eh? But I'm like, well, I've got to commit to it. I can't just... So you just, just drank the whole thing just because, like, you had it. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore. I don't man. know. I wasn't gonna like pour it so out. Or something. I mean, I guess I could. In retrospect, I probably could have. I probably could have drunk half of it and then poured water into it and made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the decisions that we make. So yeah, this is like a full. I, I was, this is. I'd never thought we would go there, but this is like a full cup of cordial undiluted. <laughs> there, maybe there's better analogies, but I just thought I just thought it works. Yeah, well, I mean, like this is what they used to do in the ancient world. They used to get wine, or they used to get any kind of alcohol, and they would mix it with water to dilute it. Because a lot of the wine that they produced in the ancient world was like cordial. It was so strong that you you couldn't really drink it yeah. um, full strength. But in this situation. Um, John is using that metaphor to express the, I guess, extremity of God's wrath um, as it is being poured out. And and the idea of a cup being poured out is a fairly common um, metaphor that's used for wrath or anger or judgment. Um, it's the same language that uh, is used to describe what happens to Jesus when he died on the cross, that the, the sin and the wrath of um, God was poured out on, on Jesus um, as he, you know, was a substitute for us. Mm. Um, and, but it, it, I think it, it, should be, it should be, like, noted here. Um, it's easy for us to translate or to read this and to for us to think about God as like an angry guy in the sky, like throwing out lightning bolts, like, you know, Zeus or Thor or something like that. And um, just being this sort of angry God who comes in at the end of the day to just wreak vengeance and to satisfy some sort of, you know, deep seated rage that he has. <laughs> um, I don't think that's, that's the picture that is being painted here. I don't think that God is coming in and he's taking pleasure in slaughter or wrath or anger. I think that this is just a natural consequence of what happens when people stray so far from God's intention and design. I think it's a if the, I think if if you think about it in terms of um a a scale like one of those ancient scales you have on the one hand grace and mercy and love and on the other hand there's there's consequence and I think those two things together form a complete picture of what divine justice looks like. On the one hand, it looks like grace. On the one hand, it looks like love and mercy. But on the other hand, there are consequences, natural consequences to the decisions that we make. And I think that's what's happening here. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea. That's I think that's why the angels start off, they frame, the first angel comes in and frame, like reframes and it's like, hey, this is the creator God. The one, the giver of life, and that's the one who we need to worship. And then talks about how Babylon is fallen, and then goes in to talk about the beast, because the beast is like intertwined with Babylon, and it's like the values. It's almost like the values and the culture of the beast is like embodied in the culture of Babylon, mm. in a way. Um, and so, I think that's why, like in that in that first verse. Let's talk about how if anyone worships a beast, the image and and its image, and it receives a mark. So it's it's kind of like w when we begin to rather than worship the Creator God, and we begin to worship this this system, um, which we talked about so much last week. So I don't want to rehash it too much, but we get into this this state where we're just worshiping almost like ourselves and worshiping this system of get get get, mm. and like you have to take all the time and I think God realizes and sees that that system in our embodied in our hearts is actually really toxic and really addictive and intoxicating as well mm. but actually also really toxic and poisonous to us and begins to destroy us from the inside out 
I mean, you see those, you see so, so many stories all the time of people striving to success, but feeling more and more hollow as they go through. Um, and I think that's that, that's that toxic Babylon sort of culture thing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not having a go at anybody who's successful and saying that they're Babylon or anything like that, but I'm just saying like in that sort of culture of worshiping the beast and worshiping like Babylon, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but I just feel like God knows how toxic that is for us. Yeah. And he knows how much that destroys us. So he's not going to let that go on forever um, in, in us because that would just be like, in. I'm going to say inhumane, but that's like an odd word to use for God because he's not human. So why would you, why would it matter if he's inhumane? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that's, well, I think it's interesting as well, like, because um, I mean, th- I'm trying to think about this correlation, but in verse uh, eight and verse ten, it's the same language that is being used. That um, first, Babylon makes all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adultery. So there's like wine language, and then in verse ten, as like a correlation, God um, pours out the cup of His wrath undiluted. So it's like if you want to drink this wine, then this is the consequence. Like I'm not quite sure exactly what the what the exact connection is there, but there's definitely a connection between the wine that we drink that leads us down a path to perhaps the ultimate cup of consequence, maybe. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking before the podcast. It's almost like this picture of like somebody like, you know, like a vet has to like put down animals who are sick. Hmm. It's almost like that. Not quite. It's not. It's not a perfect. But every every analogy falls short in some place. So I'm sure if you pick it apart enough, you'll see it'll fall short. But yeah. But it's this idea even of God having to put an end to something because of the this internal suffering. Like if mm. you have a if you have a pet and you have to take it in and they're like, there's there's no way it's going to get better. It's it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and hurting more and more. It has to be put down. It's like you don't want to do that. It breaks your heart to do that, but you know it's ultimately the best way to show love and mercy yeah which is so weird to think about but that's just the reality we live in i want to read this this bit because um josh and i have been i don't know if we have we mentioned the source that we're drawing a lot of this from um not just the bible but we have been um, referencing ranko stefanovic's um commentary on revelation revelation of jesus christ um and if you guys want the, the the page number, it's 461. If you have the book or if you want to get the book, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's what we've been using to help us make sense of some of these passages. But I really I really like what he says um, in terms, in reference to the cup of God's wrath being mixed undiluted in the cup of his wrath. It's kind of confusing language. But he says this, this means that the outpouring of the final wrath will be in its full strength without mercy and grace. The wrath of God, however, is not to be understood as a human emotion. Again, kind of not saying that this is just like angry God being like a, an angry human being, but rather as a metaphor for the inevitable reaction of God's holiness to sin and rebellion. It is God's final response to those who have rebelliously and persistently resisted the gospel, disobeyed the commandments of God, and viciously oppressed his faithful people. George E. Ladd states that unless God in his final wrath purges the world of all evil and rebellion, his kingdom cannot come. Therefore, in the larger sense of God's redemptive purpose for men, his wrath is a necessary correlative to his love and mercy. Hmm. Pretty sobering, uh, to be honest, you know, like... I don't know how anybody could look at that and go, yeah, that's a good thing. You know, I think it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's it's just sad. Um, and this is, I think, one of the traps that we can fall into as Christians is to think of the world and us as separate and different. Like we are God's people, we are the oppressed, we are, and and you know that may be true, but mm. a lot of the time it's easy to say, oh well, yes, all the bad people they're going to get what's coming to them at the end and we can be very happy about all the fact that you know all those bad people they're going to get their justice and god's gonna come in and kill them and god's gonna do whatever you know but i i don't think this is i don't think john is writing this in 
like glee like oh yes you know the 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 caesar is gonna get his comeuppance at the end and you know all those people that have mistreated me you know god's gonna come in with a stick and whack them over the head like a big brother you know um i think i think john's sad i think god's sad because of what he has to do not because of what he wants to do um and i just i'm i don't know i guess i'm thankful that ultimately it's god's prerogative not mine to decide what is just and what is good and what is necessary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah, I'm not jealous of that at all. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is, this is the thing though, like so often, I mean, the, the sort of postmodern Christianity that we live in, we, we love to just talk about the, the happy, happy, fun stuff, and but the reality is that it will all come to an end one day, yeah. and this is the story of it, and this is why the the three angels' message—it's like amazing and glorious and exciting, but at the same time, it's like, but then God has to has to has to act. It's sobering. Yeah, it is, um, and that's. That's why these these all three of these messages are really interesting, and I'm really glad that our denomination. I'm not going to say that <laughs> every time we talk about it, we get it right as a denomination, or in a way that I maybe not right is the right word, but in a way that connects to me. Mm. But when I look at it in a way that makes sense to me, definitely. Yeah, I really see a lot of value in these, and it helps add to to my mission here here on Earth. You yeah. know, because it drives me to actually love God more and it also drives me to love people more. Yeah. Yeah. And to be more excited about being on mission for God about all of this, you know? Mm. I don't Definitely. Know. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So do we want to move on to the next bit? The next bit is kind of, it's, it's very spicy. <laughs> Spicy, very that's a spicy meatball. That's a very spicy meatball. The uh, smoke, smoke and torment. The smoke and torment. Yeah, that sounds like a. Okay, no, actually, I was gonna say it's. <laughs> it almost sounds like a, like a weird name for like a barbecue restaurant or something. Smoke <laughs> and torment. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. Uh, I'll yeah. Well, we already did read it, but and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. These worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Yeah. Heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, super heavy. And it's easy for us as Western Christians, especially um, us in the Protestant sort of tradition, to kind of read that and be like, "All right, well, that so that's that's kind of like a confirmation of like eternal torment, right? Like the smoke goes up forever and ever, and they'll have no rest and." So that means that anybody who call who receives the mark of the beast, they're going to be tortured in hell forever and ever. That's it's pretty messed up, man. Yeah, nah. It's not, <laughs> right. Good, good response. Sorry. Good response. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Well, we okay. Quick plug. We did a whole episode on this. This um, is true. If you want to go back to episode number thirteen, called "What the Hell." I'm very, I'm very proud of that title. You did well, yeah. You very did well proud. with that. I didn't know that was a title, and then you sprung it on me, and I was like, "Yes, it's perfect." So <laughs> we did a whole. If you want to hear us unpack this more, go back to episode thirteen. I know it's a long time ago, but um, it was a good episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I, <laughs> Talking I about my own podcast, hundred yep. percent agree. Great job. <laughs> yeah, no, but Fantastic I got a lot job. of positive feedback from people who aren't Adventist who yes. who listened to us, and they thought they thought it was really interesting. So anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, but this is, yeah, so there's sort of a little paradigm shift you need to do with this verse to understand it properly, in, mm. well, at least in our opinion. The way that we tradition. the way that we see it, at least. Um, yeah, which obviously I believe in it. I think it's legit. Yeah. So if you're, <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you're a Christian, you're not from our tradition, then this may be a little bit challenging, but this is just the way we see it. This is not like judgment. Um, I would just encourage you to just check it out for yourself and, and see what you think. And if you disagree on an academic level, we'd love to hear 
um, your thoughts. But anyway, this is just the way on a, a scholarly level that we in our tradition see this. Um, I suppose the first thing to note is that um, as with everything that we've talked about, there is a presupposition that John is, is he's, he's assuming that you, the reader, are reading this with a Jewish apocalyptic mindset, that mm. there is a, an apocalyptic sort of um, flavor that is being applied. And so when we think about this particular, um, when we think about this particular text, we're not going to go jumping around the Bible, but you can go around jumping through the Bible to see where it is getting a lot of the language from. I'll just share um, one or two. Probably the most obvious place that this is referencing or riffing on, if you want to think about it like that, um, or hyperlinking to, is probably Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, because in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah um, is were two cities that were destroyed because of their immorality. And you can go and read that story in Genesis 19. Um, but the idea of fire and sulfur with the smoke ascending forever and ever is pretty much taken straight out of that story. Um, mm. And then you have to ask the question, well, so uh, is the smoke literally ascending forever and ever? Like, is there a smoke pit there? Are they burning today? And the obvious answer is, well, no. Um, <laughs> there, there's there's debate as to even where Sodom and Gomorrah is, was located, um, whether they were even you know real cities and i think most historians will accept that they were probably real cities at one point um but yeah if there was like a smoking sulfur pit you know where sodom and gomorrah you know used to stand then we could probably maybe take a literalistic um approach to that interpretation but there's mm. not so maybe we should sit back and think well is what john is saying here a literal reality for the people who have gotten the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead. Uh, anything to add so far, Josh? No, you're doing good. I'm, okay. just, I'm just sitting back enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jude reflects on that in Jude 7. So you can go and check out Jude 7 if you want. Um, and hey, Jude. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the other, the other ancient kingdom that I think John is drawing from is the ancient kingdom of Edom. Um, and that Isaiah actually, and I, so if you want to check that out, that's in his Isaiah 34, um, verses eight to 10, he prophesied that God would punish Edom with fire and sulfur. Uh, and I quote that it would become a burning pitch. This is verse eight. It shall not be quenched night and day. It's smoke shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall be desolate. So as with, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, as well as with Edom, the idea of burning fire and sulfur and the smoke that rises, it, it's all tied into this idea of eternal fire. And it's, it's all to do with this idea of total, complete destruction, like absolutely annihilated. Um, mm. So one of the best sort of historical examples would probably be what the Romans did to um, the city of Carthage. Um, if many of you remember your ancient history, Hannibal um, was a great Carthaginian general who led this huge campaign against um, the the Roman Empire. Almost, and a scary movie. Yeah, and a very so, scary movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm too scared. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he was almost successful, but unfortunately he was defeated and killed and his armies alongside with him um, and Carthage was this incredible city in northern Africa, which when the Romans got to it, they basically burned it to the ground. They sowed, they just absolutely annihilated it, and they sowed the ground with salt, which is this ancient custom, which basically made the ground un, un like you couldn't cultivate it and you can't do anything with it. And so it was absolutely desolate. Um, and I think that's the sort of thing that, that John is talking about here. He's talking about the ultimate... Um, annihilation of the people who have um, chosen to have the mark of the beast on their hand and their forehead. But uh, it's not just it's not just the, it's not really the annihilation of the people that God's going for. Mm. 
He's going for the annihilation of well, sin is is the word. Yeah, he's going for this annihilation of like the opposing kingdom, opposing mindset, opposing empire. I don't know. Babylon has fallen. Yeah, but he's going for the ultimate destruction of it, and it's like to not just quarantine it and put it somewhere where it's forever going to burn, but to actually completely destroy it, eradicate it from existence, so that. His glory and goodness and His kingdom can ultimately reign. Yeah, which is so exciting to even think about. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Um, this is obviously referenced uh, back to in Revelation nineteen and twenty with the burning lake of fire um, that you know Satan and his angels are thrown into, and it also says that not just Satan and his angels, but also death and the grave. So it's this ultimate mm. defeat of death and the grave. Um, so it's 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 a metaphorical, metaphysical um, triumph, not just a literal. You know, this is what's happening, flesh and blood, and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And as well, just to, just to add to what you were saying before, so like a lot of people would be like, but it says that the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. So it's it's actually the idea of, well, it's it's more that this whole incident will never be forgotten by God. Yeah. You know. There will always be that, and I think even in, in even in those who who go to, go to heaven, you know, that sort of like those who live forever with God and and become a part of His actual kingdom, realized. It's like I don't think we'll ever forget that. We'll ever n- know that that's you know you, yeah, mm. it's something that will ever forever be with us. Um, yeah. I don't know, which I find like super, super interesting. The reality that like w- we might be sinless, but we'll remember sin and the the hurt that it caused. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but at the same time, every tear will be wiped away. So it's like, there's no tears about it anymore, but you'll always remember. It's like that somber remembrance. Yeah. And again, with, with the idea of this being, um, with the idea of this being read through the lens of Jewish apocalypse literature, there is very little to no reference that you can interpret in Jewish apocalypse literature to suggest the idea of eternal torment, the idea that people burn forever and ever and ever in hell. The idea of forever and ever usually, and we're applying it here to mean forever or for a long time until there's nothing left. That's in a nutshell, I suppose, the best way that you can interpret that. I really like what Desmond Ford said on this. He said the purpose of fire is to consume, never to preserve. And Ooh. you see that, you know, throughout biblical literature. The idea, fire is never used as a um, means to um, preserve. It's it's always, you know, God is an all-consuming fire. Mm. Yeah. So, I know that for some people that's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, um, but that's just the way that we see it. And I I don't know. We're, we're annihilationists. That's that's just our view when it comes to what happens when you die. We don't believe that there is, you know, going straight to heaven or straight to hell sort of thing. Um, so that's just the picture that we paint, that we like, that we believe is what the Bible tells us. But yeah, I, we, we are very much aware that that is not the only picture out there, that there are other pictures and I would like to say as well, this, it's really hard when you get into this sort of territory because the Bible, or at least the New Testament, does not seem to be preoccupied with what happens to you after you die. It's more preoccupied with the way, the way that we live now with future expectation of how we're going to live in the future. So in other words, it's this idea of kingdom, which is the antithesis of the idea of Babylon. And the emphasis of the New Testament, the thrust of Jesus's messages and the, the thrust of Jesus's teachings is kingdom of heaven here and now as a practice for a kingdom that is going to be one day. That's that's mm. the that's the emphasis. Yeah, totally. Um, it's it's almost like Jesus is like, you know what? Like, this is what's going to happen. Don't worry about the details because you don't really need to. Here's what you need to know for now. Yeah. Which is how I always see it. Because like, people always ask, like, I don't know, as a pastor, people always like, so what are we going to do when we're in heaven? You know, like, what is, like, they'll ask me, like, are we still going to be married when we get there? And you're like, well, technically your vows are till death do us part. But, you 
I don't know. <laughs> you know. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. So people ask a lot of random detailed questions about heaven, but the reality is the answer is just, I mean, there's some stuff you can pick up, but yeah, most of yeah. it's like Jesus is like, it doesn't really matter right now. Like just focus on what matters, but classic yeah. humans. Yeah. Um. All right. We should just cover the last part. Yes. I think we've, I think we've gotten through this pretty good. Um. Mm. <laughs> all mm. right. Verse 12. Um, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Mm. It's kind of like the encouraging bit that sort of ties it all together. Um, a call mm. for endurance. Mm. And um, now, unfortunately, a lot of people... Mm, trying to work out how to say this. A lot of people take this verse and apply it to one very specific thing that they're into, <laughs> if that makes sense, um, about like one commandment that they're like really... And, you know, obviously there's applications to all of the commandments, but it's it's a, the ultimate thing is it's, an encall, it's a call for endurance. And like, obviously, like in Adventist tradition, this comes down to like the idea of remnant, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast. Maybe we should talk mm, about it one day, should. but... Yeah. Um, but the idea of towards the end as times get more and more turbulent and um, tumultuous, is that a good word, Jesse? I'm not normally the big words guy, but that's Tumultuous a, is a beautiful word. Thanks. All right. As times get more tumultuous, <laughs> um, you know, that I guess it'll become harder and harder to follow Jesus in a way because it'll just be more confusing there'll be a constant pulls away from that we're already i mean we feel that in every generation in this generation we feel it in a unique way as well um but i guess it so there will always be like a remnant of people who actually decide to genuinely follow jesus with with everything they've got and give Mm. their whole heart and their whole lives in in every facet that they can and so i think ultimately these angels are giving us this framework again just like keep going, endure, endure all of this. Um, I have to think about like Hebrews where it's like, don't give up on meeting together, all that sort of mm. stuff. It's like this, don't give up, like just yeah. keep going. Like this, like God's got a bigger plan. God's got a bigger picture. Just keep at it. I know it's hard and I know it's crazy, but Babylon is fallen. Mm. Come back to the creator God. All of this is going to end. All of these decisions will come to something. Mm. Yeah, mm. I don't know. That's wow. Yeah, keep your eye on the prize. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's one of the things that I find so compelling, especially you know in our day and age about Christianity, is it's one of the few faith traditions that actually is really honest about the human condition. It's really honest about the world, and mm. it says, you know, this is the reality. Life is hard. Life is unjust. Life is full of tragedy, um, and. You know what, son? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But, <laughs> you know, the call is still to endure and to persevere despite the tragedy and the um, injustice of life, which is, oh, it's so it's so interesting. It's so, I don't know, it's compelling to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. It is really compelling, I think. And, and I think, again, like this is why this message can be so important. To, to our faith tradition as well mm. um, to just keep going yeah keep at it endure like there is all of this does really mean something mm. and I don't know to me that's exciting and encouraging and yeah reassuring I don't know there's lots of ings <laughs> alright so what have we I, I think we're, we're kind of drawing to the end really of this whole exercise this whole three week journey um but I would like to spend a little bit of time, I suppose, while we're coming to the end of this, to just reflect on what some of the stuff that we have learned and some of the things that have changed for us. Um, and then I'd love to get you guys who are listening to um, let us know if if anything's changed for you in the way that you read Revelation um, 14 and the three angels' messages. Um throughout this whole this whole series because I don't know I found this really I found this really interesting we haven't done a series like this um, for a long time if ever just focusing on a bit of scripture and then just like expounding on it for three whole weeks I don't think we've I don't no. think we've ever done that <laughs> well we don't really like I mean 
It's not really our MO. It's not really a Bible study podcast yeah. in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of Bible application, <laughs> but yeah, it's not really, yeah. Um, so that's why, yeah, this is, it is really different. But the thing is like the three angels message, like and to be on brand becomes a haystack for a lot of people. It gets so in the way and people get so confused by it. But really, it's one of those things that we're actually saving the best in it. You know, it's mm. it's a really good, um, it's a really cool message. If you put it, if you sort of can take it out of that, of that real old school language that we don't really use anymore, not really take it out of it, but just re- rephrase it into our modern mm. context and and understand what it means for today. I think it's a really exciting set of messages and really helpful. And it's a good thing to take on board. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I've I've enjoyed doing it, and I think it's very I think it's surprising. Even though it's completely different to the other content we do, it's surprisingly on brand. It's <laughs> <laughs> very much a lot of um, saving the best and burning the rest. Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that sentiment. I think that it's easy for us, especially in our faith tradition, to just talk about the same stuff as it pertains to the three angels messages and a lot of this apocalyptic literature, to be honest, it's, it's easy for us to just rehash the same old arguments and the same old talking points that are frankly not some of them, not even that helpful to, to people today. But what I love is the fact that it continues to push people forward in that, yeah, all this stuff is going to happen. You know, the, the world is going to get crazy towards the end, especially, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to read this. I think it's hard for most of us to read this because we don't feel like we're at the end. We we don't feel like we're in that time of history where the end is nigh, as it were. Um, yeah, I know. It's like people talk about how chaotic it is, but statistically, this is the most peaceful time in our recorded history, our yeah. current era. It doesn't feel peaceful though, but it statistically is, you know? <laughs> like yeah. It's an odd time. Yeah, I there, there was a book that came out only recently called Angels of Our Better Nature um, by Steven Pinker, I believe, which illustrated all the different ways in the world is actually getting better. Like poverty is incredibly, you know, it, poverty is not what it used to be. And they're estimating yeah. that by, I think, 2025 or something like that, there are going to be almost no people living below the poverty line in, in the world. Like That would be amazing. Is that like, actually... That's that's what they're predicting. Yeah, cool. Whether that's the, whether that. that's what's going to actually happen, I don't know. Yeah, but statistically, there are a myriad of ways in which the world is getting better. So this kind of messes with our theology that the world is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and it's going to be like yeah. in the days of Noah, and then the end well, is going to come. Paradoxically, though, the world is getting worse in a lot of ways too. Like the, in, I mean, <laughs> like. Climate change, if you're a believer or an unbeliever, I don't know, but yeah. um, that's a way like and pollution is just getting worse, like the global waste crisis. There's just stuff everywhere and nowhere to put it anymore. Um, like the um, even like the idea of social media and online presence, like the depression rates are just getting higher and higher suicide rates. It's just yeah, horrendous, like in a lot of ways. That there are ways in which our co- in which our society is getting worse, but at the same time, there's a lot of ways where it's getting better. So it's an it's really odd. It depends on the metric, I suppose, that you're using to measure what it actually looks like for the world to be better or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does, and um, I think a lot of people who are sort of like it's it's easy to pick all the worst things and be like, look how bad the world is, you know, and, you know, it's. A lot of people do that. It's kind of expected in the whole Adventist thing because that's sort of where we come from. But <laughs> We're kind of like the panic culture people. Like, look at how terrible the world is. Ah! Yeah, I know. But and I think in the way, there are ways, but maybe I don't think we always use them correctly. Like, people see, like, yeah. one flood and they're like, that's the worst flood in history. Well, I, oh, no, it's not, obviously, but... Like, <laughs> the worst flood in history. Yeah. I can think of a couple. <laughs> one in particular. Yeah, like, I can think of at least one bigger one, you know. Um, or, you know, they'll see a certain president gets elected and it's blah, blah, the end, blah, 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 you know, yeah. I don't know. So it's, yeah. But I think in if we actually looked at the right metrics, we could we would actually be really seeing the ways in which it's getting worse and be able to speak to that better. But we're sort of set on these particular few things. Yeah, because I think for the longest time we've been stuck on, well, at least in our faith tradition, we've been stuck on Sunday law. We've been stuck on church and state coming together, one world government, new world order, 
sounding so like conspiracy theorist when I know. you know yeah. like you get into the weird territory like the really weird territory that is yeah. only it's like it's like inhabited only by the adventists and alex jones like those are the, <laughs> you know well <laughs> they're turning I mean, the frogs gay I don't want to say, like, a Sunday law kind of thing couldn't happen because you never know. Like, honestly, you, you just never know, like, if this kind of stuff c- could or will happen. Yeah. And it'll probably be pretty unexpected, if that makes sense. That's generally how this stuff comes around. If it does come about, yes, it would probably be very unexpected. Yes. Yeah. But, um, like, you know, those really weird laws and stuff, they often, they often have a real quick turnaround because they kind of happen before people can... Uh, yeah, no. So, yeah. Like, I don't want to say that stuff is totally out of the realm of possibility, but I just think, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes we sound a little bit, a uh, little bit, a little bit interesting to people when we talk about it. I mean, it's good to it's good to admit that it's good to admit that you kind of sound weird when you say some of this stuff. I honestly, like, I remember being part of a um uh, a forum, a PC gaming forum when I was a kid. There was this magazine I used to get, and I was part of their community for like years. And there was this one thread. I I discovered there was one other Adventist on this gaming forum. And what? I was like, oh, yeah, another Adventist. And I discovered he was Australian. I was like, woohoo. And so we, we ended up having all these really funny conversations about Adventism in the context of all these PC gaming threads. And I remember one time somebody asked us to like explain our faith because you got you, well, I got to know some of the guys on the forum and the girls on the forum really you know quite well even though we're all like you know anonymous and everything and I remember describing like revelation and even as I was like trying to describe it I was like I don't know how I can describe this in a way that doesn't sound completely insane <laughs> <laughs> like I do not know how to phrase what I actually believe about how the world is going to end and everything that we believe is Adventist without just sounding completely bonkers. Like, yeah. <laughs> even while I was saying, yeah, I believe this stuff, I was like, this is mental. I just, there's no <laughs> other way to describe this. That's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's how I, it sounds. So, all right. So, I guess, yeah. Part of the take-home we wanted for this 300 message is that you can find practical application for it today, no matter how you see the world, whether you do see it, like it's re- it's all about to end or whether you see it as like, uh, maybe we got a little bit more time. I don't know. Um, and as well, we did promise that we would give a summary of the three. Yes, we did. Ex- so if you were going to explain the three angels message to somebody in, I don't know, we could probably do it in like a minute. I reckon. I reckon we could. Yeah. I mean, our version of it. Do you want to yeah. do it each? Do you want to go first and then I'll do it? I mean, no, I, I reckon- kind of already did it, but we'll do it again. I reckon let's do it together. I reckon that I reckon we can do it together. I don't think we can do it in under a minute together. I reckon we can. <laughs> okay, Jesse. All right. Um, I don't know how much time we've got left. I'm going to stop my timer that's on my phone that tells okay, me. Okay. All right. Timer. All right. One minute. Are you sure? I, can, I I think we can do it, man. I think we can do it. Okay. I don't know how we're going. All right. Three, two, one. Okay. So the first angel is a call to make a choice. It's a call to worship and it's a call to remember who God is and who we are and that we actually have to make a choice because we're not going to be able to sit on the fence forever. Mm. And it's a reframe of our creator God coming back to the source of our life. Mm. Whereas the second angel talks about how the life that we current, like so often put up with, this idea of Babylon, is that's fallen. Mm. That doesn't matter anymore. It's already gone. So it's just doomed. move away from that. It's doomed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the second angel. Babylon is doomed, even though Babylon seems attractive to so many people. And Babylon is something which a lot of people get into. Left. Okay. And then the third angel is... Oh, make a decision. It's all coming to an end. It's all, it's all going to happen. So just... No, that's a horrible. That's a horrible. You put me on. You, bro, you just looked at me. I thought you. I thought we were taking it in turns. That's a minute. We we lost. We <laughs> no, no, we were almost. We were so close. We were, greatness was within our grasp. <laughs> I feel like you 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 confused the first and the third angel's message. What? I did not. <laughs> you said the first angel was about making a decision, but the third one's about making a decision. Yeah, the first one is fear God and give Him glory. It's about making a decision okay. to worship. All right. All it's right. all about decisions. So third angel is that it's all coming to an end eventually. That 
our choices will bear fruits and that whether we choose God or choose to worship the beast in Babylon and just dwell in that kingdom, it will all come to an end and it's either life or death. Yes. Do you want to drink undiluted cordial or not? The choice is yours. <laughs> the drones are waiting. The drones are waiting. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's it. We did it. We actually talked about the three angels message in a way that I don't think was weird, but we'd love to hear your opinions and thoughts <laughs> to know if it helped you or if you thought we got it completely wrong um, or if we missed anything major about it. Let us know. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch with us. Um, you can do throw do th- do so on uh, social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, but not Twitter because we're not really into that. Uh, but if you want to find all things Burn the Haystack, go to burnthehaystack.org. That's yes. links to everything. And we'd love to have you connect with us. Mm. Mm. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Um, we would really appreciate it. And leave us a rating or a review. Um, really appreciate all of the of you guys who have left ratings and reviews so far. It really helps us out, helps us to reach more people. And um, yeah, spread these conversations like butter. Oh, yes. Yes, butter everywhere. So, oh, and as well, join our Facebook community because that is where like lots of conversation and stuff is happening all the time. So jump in, get into it, get amongst it, whatever. Just make sure you answer the questions. There's not even a password anymore. So you just jump in, be a part of it. All right. We love you. Anything else, Jesse? That's it. Uh, Really looking forward to next week's awesome interview with our awesome mystery guest and uh yeah thank you guys for uh journeying with us through these last three weeks it's been a lot of fun for us that is josh and jesse out Now for something completely different. Man, have you listened to Ben Benjamin Lundquist's podcast yet? I've been meaning to. Came out to. this week. I've been meaning to. I listened to the first few, man. It's pretty epic, eh? Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's really good. It's. I just love the, uh, the outro. He's like, The time to rise and lead is now. And I'm like, oh yeah, like in my gym, like, yeah, I'm gonna rise and lead. Get out <laughs> that of the would way. Be the perfect place to listen to it, that sort of podcast. Honestly, I feel so G'd up, and I'm like, I just wanna look like Ben in every way, yeah. except with longer hair. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> so that. Cool. That'd be cool. That's what it get as buff as Ben. Yes. Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, but no, he did this one, and it was with a fire chief, chief fireman. Okay. It's called crushing. Wait, crushing, crushing the minimum standard. Ooh, it was really good. Ooh. It was really good. I would, I would recommend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I'm subscribed to it. I just haven't listened. Oh yeah, it gets like that, eh? Yeah. But it is good. It is worth it. I actually it. haven't listened to many podcasts recently at all. Oh, hey, same. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been. I don't know. I don't know why. I've been listening to an audiobook a fair bit. Okay. Yep. W- Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin. Yep. Good book. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is a good book. Yeah. Yeah. It's been on my reading list for years, but yeah. Finally, I read it on it. Kindle a few years ago. Hmm. Cool. Super epic. Super epic. Um, All right. What the heck? My friend just shared this quote from Peter Jackson. Okay. Okay. I'll read it to you and then we'll get started. Mm -hmm. I had one idea for a scene where Legolas single-handedly killed a group of 1,000 orcs while Gimli made armpit farts and drooled in the corner. The team ultimately decided against it, but I still would like to see it. I hate Gimli and dwarves. They're stinky, poopy heads, and elves are epic, and Legolas is so cool, you guys. This one time he... Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> I don't think it's a real quote. I think I think Peter Jackson definitely said that. <laughs> <laughs> that still only counts as one. 
<laughs> oh, I I hated that though. Like, I felt like I felt like Gimli. I felt like they should have been even, but they just made like they just made Legolas like OP the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's funny because like Tolkien never really describes like Tolkien wasn't writing a. A, an, a fantasy novel to kind of describe the power levels of different creatures it was kind of like even playing field for a lot of them like i don't know it's almost like the original trilogy of star wars like you don't you don't see many backflips and you know crazy force moves it's very it's very held back and a little in, in some ways hmm interesting yeah i would like to read the books one day they're very good they're very good yeah, I've heard. I've heard. As all books are generally better than the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to read it. I was. I read it every year for like five years. It was. It was really all three of them. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. The first time I read the Two Towers, I read it in a day. I was that obsessed. What? Yep. Bro, I just do not have the reading ability to do that. But mind you, I never read. I never read stories. I always read like nonfiction. And like theology books and that kind of thing. So maybe if I did pick up a fiction book, I'd just be like, "Woo!" Yeah, yeah, bro. I was I was absolutely obsessed. Yeah, it was my Lego and Lord of the Rings was kind of like my whole teenage years. <laughs> what about the Lego Lord of the Rings? Uh, never got into that. I don't know why. Seems wow. like the perfect storm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What a missed opportunity. Yeah, a little bit. 